The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Greeting pet lovers. I enjoy each week as we welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. I have to tell you, this morning I had a real scare. I'm really still shaking about it. You know, after walking the dogs this morning, I decided to fill up my bird feeders because I've been away for a week. I was on a business trip in Las Vegas. After making sure the birds had food, I came in my house to feed my dogs. So Morrow, Wally, and Hammy were accounted for, but Churchill was nowhere to be found. I started to really panic. I looked in every cupboard, bathroom, under every bed, in every closet, and of course, under every table. I even went outside. I scoured the yard. My yard is fenced in. Well, occasionally, believe it or not, Churchill can open the door. I don't know if you have one of those door dashers. Normally, Churchill, he can open the door. And even if I put up a screen, he will crawl under the screen. I have the screen there so the dogs don't scratch the door, but he can crawl under it. And occasionally he has pushed the door open if I haven't closed it all the way. This only happens when I am in the front yard. Um, I always make sure the door is locked and the alarm is on. So, And most of the time when I'm out of the house, the dogs are crated. But I've realized that I really have to be more careful about closing that front door when I'm outside in the front yard. But normally, if I am outside, he does get out. He will come over to me. But today, he didn't come over to me. And here was the other thing that was so scary. The door wasn't open. At no time, usually if he runs out, the door will be open. And he'll dance around in the yard or on the front patio. But the door wasn't open. So I had no idea he got out. I think maybe he got out when I took some garbage out, because today is garbage day. Well, anyway... After I couldn't find him, I got in the car. I drove all over the neighborhood screaming, Churchill, Churchill. I was pretty sure I was going to lose my voice by the time I got back home. So after I did this whole loop for a half an hour in the neighborhood, I called my neighbor Annie and she said, no problem. Let me get dressed. Let me jump in the car and help you look for Churchill. Thank goodness I have a friend and a neighbor like Annie who's always there in time of need. While I was waiting for her, my mind started to wander about all the things I have to do just in case this dog doesn't turn up. I started to think that, what if he got hit by a car? What if he and ran, wandered around the corner? I was frightened that someone would pick him up, but I'd never see him again. And I started to think about putting up a Facebook ad, offering a large reward, making posters, hanging them up all over the neighborhood. And just as Annie pulled up in front of my house, here comes Churchill and when I called him, he just stopped. He just came around the corner on a busy street and just stopped. And he probably could hear the anger mixed with fear in my voice. And then I, I kind of had to regroup really quickly. I got down on my knees and I said, come puppy, come. And once he heard that lighter and more loving voice, he ran up to me as fast as possible. And he literally jumped in my arms. 
I was so relieved. My whole body just relief just consumed my whole body. And right after that, my first thought was, I got to get that puppy neutered when Dr. Fleck comes back from Miami before the end of the week. I cannot take the chance that this dog, even with dog tags and microchipped, that this dog, something could happen to this dog if he gets out of the house. So at the end of the day, I am just like you, a concerned dog or pet dog mom or pet parent, and I have to go and check myself. I just have to go and check myself to make sure nothing happens to my fur kids. I wanted to share that with you because I know it's probably happened to so many of you out there. Ah, that's my big sigh of relief. Well, anyway, now let's get on with the show, the big show. So today we're going to talk about dog shaming, this new social media trend that is popular with Gen Zs and millennials. Serena Williams, you know, she's at the U.S. Open. She got past round one and we'll see what's going to happen in round two. But uh, she's not only in the news because of playing tennis at the U.S. Open and maybe possibly retiring after the tournament but i don't think that's going to happen now but because of her dear dog lorelei serena williams is a big dog lover and the big news is that well you know let me share that with you later on in celebrity pet news but for now the big news is that dr kimberly dodd director of michigan state university veterinary diagnostic laboratory as well as an associate professor in the department of pathobiology and diagnostic investigation is here with me talking about the mysterious illness that has been affecting and killing dogs in Michigan. Greetings, Dr. Dodd. Welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dr. Fleck is so upset that he couldn't be here, especially since he is an MSU alumni and wherever he is, he's probably working. He is jealous that you and I are going to be chatting right now. Well, thank you, Charlotte. I'm thrilled to be here with you and sorry not to see Dr. Fleck, but perhaps another time. Yes, perhaps another time. Well, Dr. Dodd, what is this mysterious illness that's been killing dogs in Michigan? So the MSU Veterinary Diagnostic Lab has confirmed that the illness that's been described in dogs in northern Michigan is caused by canine parvovirus, a, um, a common infectious disease of dogs, specifically dogs who are not vaccinated or not fully vaccinated. You know, it's really interesting from what I understand, the dogs did display clinical signs suggestive of parvovirus, but consistent testing proved that it was negative. So is this a strain of the canine parvovirus? I think it's important to talk about the different kinds of testing. So here at the laboratory, we do highly specific, highly sensitive testing, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Often in the field, whether that's in a clinic or in a shelter, veterinarians rely on point of care tests or screening tests. These generally tend to be less sensitive than what we can do in the laboratory. Um, in the laboratory, again, we have multiple ways to test for parvo. All of our tests came back definitively as parvovirus. And so we're confident that that's the, the, the cause of the ongoing disease in these dogs. Well, thank you for, for letting us know that. So that's important to know that testing at your facility, obviously, it 
I guess, produces more results than the nest than the regular veterinarians in most cases, correct? That's correct. And I want to make clear that the screening tests that can be provided at clinics are incredibly valuable, particularly when they give you a definitive result or a positive result. So you know what you're working with. Then veterinarians can start treatment. They can start to take the additional care steps required for parvo. So that's a really important part of testing. But it's important to acknowledge that those tests can be less sensitive. And so in those cases, to reach out to the diagnostic laboratory for additional support. As well as encourage your vet to do the same thing, especially if you're in a situation like those folks, those pet owners in Michigan, where it was on the news, a lot of dogs were dying, I think 30 plus dogs were dying. So I think that's important to note for pet owners to take a mental note of that and really just keep it in the back of their mind if something comes up wherever they are, not only in the United States, but around the world. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking to Dr. Kimberly Dodd, director of the Michigan State University Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory. Dr. Dodd, you know, we have come to realize these last two years with COVID-19 and now monkeypox, you know, these diseases are zoonotic, meaning that these diseases can spread from animals to people. Do pet owners need to be worried that they can contract this parvovirus that we've seen up in Michigan? Absolutely not. There's no evidence that parvovirus can be transmitted from dogs to people. You raised an important point though, that we do know that a lot of new human infections do arise from animals into people or are otherwise referred to as zoonotic diseases. So that's an important uh, point, I think, to take away as well. But in the case of Parvo, we are dealing with a, with a virus that does not infect people. Okay, that's really good to know because every single ailment that comes up these days, people are always worried. So I guess my big question is, why is it so important to be aware of animal health news, not only in your locale, but really throughout the country? Well, I think it's critically important for a number of reasons. One, our companion animals are parts of our family. I have two dogs, a cat and a horse. This is what happens when you're a veterinarian sometimes, and they are all part of our family. And so it's important to know what's going on and to know that when you hear about something that you can always reach out to your veterinarian. They're a trusted advisor in terms of animal health issues and can help guide you to ensure that you start treatment or you do perform testing as early on as possible in case there is something going on or in cases like this ongoing outbreak here in Michigan, um, to be able to help um, address any of your concerns and reassure you that your pets is fully vaccinated are, are protected from infection. I'm gonna have you hold that thought, Dr. Dodd, because we have to take a commercial break. Can you stick around for another segment? You got it. Great, because I have more questions also. Up next, Celebrity Pet Buzz. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. 
Hey, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I know you love your dog and you want to treat him well, but with so many treats in the pet marketplace, how do you choose? I look for treats with natural ingredients, not artificial ones or preservatives. And that's why I feed my dogs Hunter's Healthy Treats. You can choose pumpkin, sweet potato, or peanut butter heart-shaped treats. Not only are they good for your dogs, but your dogs will love the taste too. For healthier treats and happier dogs, choose Hunter's Healthy Treats. Hunter's Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Visit Hunter'sHealthyTreats.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. Well, we're back with Dr. Kimberly Dodd, director of the Michigan State University Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory, as well as an associate professor in the Department of Pathobiology and Diagnostic Investigation. She is here to discuss how parvovirus has been killing dogs in Michigan. You know, what can pet owners throughout the country or even the world take away from this situation? I think it's important for all of us to recognize, and we've seen this with some of the recent outbreaks in humans, you've already mentioned monkeypox and COVID, that the disease landscape is always changing. And to ensure that we're doing our best to protect both animal and public health, we all need to be aware of some of these ongoing situations. I think it's also critically important to rely on your veterinarian or other trusted resources for information when you hear things about potential outbreaks of disease. Again, they truly are the experts um, when it comes to your pets. You know, it's interesting because so many pet owners are feeling the economic crunch they have for the last two years with COVID, with job loss, um, just in just with their situations in general. And I think a lot of people are worried and really worried that they can afford to go to the vet. But going to the vet is actually key to take care of your pet's health. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of vaccinations and why it's important to keep them current and as a, as a tool of protection for what's out there now and possibly what's coming? Absolutely. Vaccination is critically important. You know, I think we're really lucky in that we have so many really good vaccines out there for our pets, our dogs, our cats, our horses, and all of the other animals that we refer to as part of our family. What's critically important, though, as we is that they're given appropriately under the guidance of a veterinarian and that boosters are provided in a timely fashion. We know that if boosters aren't given on time, the level of protection from that vaccine can wane in some cases and reduce the overall protection for your pet. 
Again, parvo is a great example. This is a disease that's well known for which we have a very safe and highly efficacious vaccine. Dogs who are fully and appropriately vaccinated are protected from serious disease. So it's really important to maintain that level of protection that they have by regular vaccines. And I recognize that there's a cost associated with it. While I'm a veterinarian, I'm not currently practicing. So I take my dog to a local clinic for vaccines. So I know firsthand how expensive it is. I also know how important treat or how expensive treatment can be on the other side if they're not vaccinated in advance. An ounce of prevention, right? Absolutely. We always say at the pet buzz here, it's important to be forearmed because then you're being forewarned of what could possibly happen down the creek. And also the other thing is, I think it's really important, and I'm sure you'll agree, that if you're not really familiar with the vaccines, talk to your vet so he can understand the importance of why he's given these vaccines. And especially if you have young puppies or dogs under the age of two and and even senior dogs whose immune system is not as strong as a mature dog, it's important to get these vaccines, correct? Absolutely, that's very true. Puppies early on, um, when you first bring home a puppy, you'll take them to your veterinarian and you'll end up making visits every three to four weeks to get boosters for the vaccine until they're considered fully vaccinated. Then it's usually a year or so until they're ready due for their next booster. But it's important to know that in that early stage where you're getting those early boosters in those first few months you have the puppy, that your puppy is not fully vaccinated until after that last boost in the series. So until your veterinarian tells you that your puppy is protected and can go out to doggy daycares and go to dog parks and to all of the other places we wanna take our pets, um, it's really important that you make sure they get through that whole series first because they're not fully protected until then. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think of one of my neighbors who just got uh, a little dachshund puppy and um, the owner was gonna walk little Willow on the street. She takes her out to the front yard to and you know pees a little bit to start getting her house broken. And I had reminded her that because I walk my four dogs on a regular basis, two to three times a day, many of my neighbors don't. And we also have a few people who come into our neighborhood who don't live in our neighborhood. They like to walk in our neighborhood because it's very, it's kind of isolated away from traffic. And I said, you know, it's fine for the front yard, more or less, but you don't want to take the dog on the street because there are so many dogs who are walking on the street and maybe they don't take care of their dogs like I do or like you will do. So it's important just if you do take her out, confine her to the backyard or the front yard, or even, I hate to say it, pee paper, because I know how important it is when you have a dog and you want to get them out, not to have them going in their house, correct? No, absolutely. I think it's really important, again, that you refer to your veterinarian's guidance for when your puppy is considered protected and okay to go out and about. Utilizing your yard space or private space that you have available to you is the, is the best recommendation for those puppies early on. My last question, um, and this really has to do with when you hear something like this parvovirus in Michigan, because that can happen anywhere. I remember a few years ago, there was 
cases of parvovirus that broke out in New Jersey in the Teaneck area. And a lot of people, there are a lot of pet owners, their dogs were dying. And people were finding out how expensive parvo was, meaning it was probably like 700 and up, depending on where you go to the vet and, you know, what it's going to cost for treatment. A lot of people started giving or returning pets to shelters or abandoning their pets at shelter areas. And, you know, we don't necessarily want people to do that. But when you do hear something about parvovirus or another ailment that's uh, involved in your community, what should pet owners do? Should they continue as they normally do? Should they stop having contact with other dogs? Should they stop going to the dog park? Well, I can tell you that my two dogs are continuing to go to doggy daycare throughout this current situation here in Michigan because they're fully vaccinated. And I have confidence that they're protected um, from this disease. Um, You know, it's a really hard thing anytime a dog gets sick and parvo is a terrible disease, but prognosis improves the earlier that you detect it. So with the first signs of vomiting or diarrhea, call your veterinarian. They may be able to provide guidance over the phone and have you monitor for another day or so, or they may ask you to come in. But that's a key part of it is to really encourage people to reach out to their vets to get their input at the first sign that they have a concern that something may not be quite right. Such great information. Dr. Dodd, thank you so much for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. We'd love to have you back. And and like I said, I do appreciate you sharing this very important information. Can you give us a website, your website or MSU's website, where we can learn more information about this timely yet dangerous topic? Sure. You can reach our website. It's bdl.msu.edu. So the uh, veterinary diagnostic laboratory.michigansstateuniversity.edu. Such great information. And we're so happy Dr. Kimberly Dodd was able to join us on the Pet Bus today. She's the director of Michigan State University Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory, as well as an associate professor in the Department of Pathobiology and Diagnostic Investigation. So please, I'm encouraging you, make sure you you know what's going on, even if it's a Google alert that you put on your computer for animal health information in your area. If you, something comes comes up on the news that you don't understand, please call your veterinarian's office just to make sure that your pet, who is a beloved family member, is protected. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. Time now for Celebrity Pet Buzz. Serena Williams is in the news, not only for her participation at the U.S. Open, for the passing of her dog, Lorelai. The tennis legend shared on Instagram last Saturday that her canine companion had died on Friday. She wrote that Lorelai sadly took her last breath yesterday. In the caption of the post, she featured a carousel of images of Lorelai throughout the years. Lorelai was a cute little uh, Maltese, white as snow, and just with those big black eyes. Williams added that the last year and a half was a bonus for her pooch. She got, she also got everything she wanted, which included biting toes till the very end, literally. Additionally, Williams signed off with her pup's full name writing, Lorelai Kinkogel Williams, May 2004 to August 27, 2022. I never knew the dog. I mean, many dogs have a last name. My dogs have last names. But I never knew Lorelai's name was Link Kogel. And perhaps that's an homage or a shout out to uh, Larry Kinkogel, who was a child prodigy motocross racer who turned pro at age 15, probably like Williams. He was quite the daredevil. Uh, so that may be an homage to him. In addition to Lorelai, Williams, who, like I said, is a great dog lover, so is, so is Venus. Uh, Williams owns another dog named Christopher Chip Rafael Nadal Williams, who is a Yorkie, uh, who has his own Instagram account, and he's accumulated like 13,000 plus followers. Last week, Chip made an appearance at the U.S. Open during one of the Williams's training sessions. Sarita, we are so sorry for your loss, but we wish you the best of luck at the U.S. Open. Well, up next, I bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. You know, one of the biggest trends in the pet industry these days is sustainability. I just came back from the big Super Zoo show in Vegas. And really, there was such an emphasis on sustainability. It's become a common focus among consumers as concerns about waste reduction and the environment grow. Well, today's pet parents are searching for corporate sustainability practices not only regarding ingredients and packaging, but also the facility. And one of the most sustainable pet companies that I know is Northwest Naturals. They're an Oregon-based company. The company owns and operates a sustainable USDA human meat facility. Now get this, which is run by a half a megawatts of solar power. The company making all products from start to finish has no outsourcing and saves money on transportation because everything is produced at this facility. Now, there are a few things like the packaging that's not made on site, but it's manufactured locally. So all of their sustainable packaging is manufactured locally. Their products are always sourced and traced, including their new food toppers that are really have a purpose for better health. You know what toppers are. A lot of times dogs don't want to eat. So their moms and dads, the dog moms and dads put little toppers on the food. And so Northwest Natural has these new toppers. One is beef liver toppers with turmeric 
which promotes heart health and anti-inflammatory as well as antioxidant properties. Then they've got chicken breast hoppers with green muscles, which produce a reduction in joint inflammation and help to relieve arthritis. So I'm thinking if you have like getting a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, the beef liver toppers with turmeric might be good. I'm thinking if you have, if you get the uh, chicken breast toppers with green muscle, that might be good for a dog, an older dog that has arthritis or maybe a breed like a Burmese mountain dog that eventually could have hip or joint problems. And then of course there's salmon, with mushrooms, which is mataki and shiitake mushrooms, which promote improved energy levels, brain function, and immune health. And also, you're going to love their new real heart treats, which are freeze-dried raw hearts that are sliced. Uh, They have a specific way of doing it uh, at the sustainable location. And the hearts are available in two sizes for both dogs and cats. And they're beef, chicken, and pork flavored treats. They're natural. As a result, they're packed with vitamins and minerals. So check out nwnaturals.com. You're going to love that the company is really promoting the environment and the health of your dog. Well, what's next? Our next guest from Forbes Advisors. There's no question that Americans love their fur babies, even when we can't help but poke fun at our dog's misdeeds on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. I think I hit all of them. Well, a new Forbes advisor survey of about 2,000 dog owners sniffed out the most common dog shenanigans and some of the consequences of shameful Mm. behavior. Mm, Shameful. So joining us today to talk about the survey is Michelle Magna, lead editor of insurance at Forbes Advisor. Michelle, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Hi, thank you. I'm happy to be here. So Michelle, talk to us about dog shaming and how it really is exemplified on media platforms. So dog shaming involves the pet parents posting on various social media, uh, the misdeeds that their their mutts uh, get into. So this can be anything from eating something they shouldn't to escaping uh, through a fence. And what they do is they'll take a picture of what happened and then they'll hang a sign explaining uh, <laughs> the doggy misdeed and then post that on their social media. It's crazy. I saw one the other day and it said that, um, you know, if you see the dog hanging out by this sign, don't worry, he lives here. And don't feel sorry for him if he lays out in the middle of the street and plays dead. We ran out of dog treats. And all of a sudden you see this big sign and then you see the dog in the background. Usually the dog is in the foreground and he might be wearing a costume or he might have the empty box of treats. But I just thought that that's a new level of dog shaming. And I, and, and frankly, I thought it was more of like, it should be pet parent shaming, but I just, it was, cra- it was crazy. It was just crazy. <laughs> you had a question, Dr. Fleck. So, which generation of people participate in dog shaming the most? Dog shaming is most popular 
among millennials. So that's ages uh, 26 to 42. Uh, and the survey we did found that one in five uh, millennials say they are likely to dog shame. Huh. Yeah, think of, I mean, I don't, do you know millennials who dog shame? No, but I'm really not surprised. I think that they would be. They yeah, have... well, because it's technology yeah, and it's yeah, relationship with the yeah, dog and everything yeah. else. Okay. Do you think that most pet owners think that their dogs are really naughty? And do they accept or believe that their their actions, meaning the pet owner actions, contribute to their dog's behavior? So like the example that I gave you, maybe the dog wouldn't lie in the middle of the street or run away if they actually had an extra box of treats or ran to the store and got a refill. <laughs> right, right. Excellent point. So uh, the majority of dog owners do report that their pooches are naughty. Uh, 56% reported uh, that their dogs misbehave. Um, and with 12% saying that their dog usually be misbehaves and 5% saying their dog always misbehaves. Um, and also a majority uh, do feel somewhat responsible for their dog's naughty, naughtiness. Uh, the survey found that 85% of the dog parents said that they feel uh, responsible for their dog's naughty behavior. That's good. They're taking responsibility. I wonder if they're encouraging it. What do you mean? I mean, maybe that, that notoriety is, would that Well, be? I mean, if you think about it, I mean, people like to, you know, people like to explain or share their life on social media and some people share yeah. too much. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, at one point I know people like in certain shelter situations were worried that people wanted to adopt certain dogs um, that had physical defects, especially around the face for social media. I mean, it was an issue that came up, but um you know, I think it's a thing. It's like there was a thing back like four or five years ago, dogs and pantyhose. Do you remember that, Michelle? Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, they had they had the dog lying on its side and the dog had pantyhose. I mean, I did it. I put pantyhose on my dog. Oh. It, it was kind of weird. But, you know, who wears pantyhose anymore? So nobody has pantyhose. So it was a thing for a hot minute. Yeah, I kind of agree. That was kind of weird. Yeah, it was kind of weird. <laughs> but, you know, I have all this fur stuffed in the pantyhose. <laughs> anyway, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Michelle Magna, lead insurance editor of Forbes Advisor. And we're talking about dog shaming. Later on on the show, we're going to answer your questions in the Pet Buzz mailbag. And, of course, look out for our great global pet news. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen, too. EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud partner of the pet. Buzz. Hey, I'm petrendologist Charlotte Reed, and I know you love your dog and you want to treat him well, but with so many treats in the pet marketplace, how do you choose? I look for treats with natural ingredients, not artificial ones or preservatives, and that's why I feed my dogs Hunter's Healthy Treats. You can choose pumpkin, sweet potato, or peanut butter heart-shaped treats. Not only are they good for your dogs, but your dogs will love the taste too. 
For healthier treats and happier dogs, choose Hunter's Healthy Treats. Hunter's Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Visit Hunter'sHealthyTreats.com. Hi, this is Lonnie Walker from the San Antonio Spurs. Every year, dogs suffer and die when they're left in parked cars in warm days. Heat strokes can occur quickly, even with the windows partially rolled down. On a 78 degree day, temperatures in a parked car can rapidly increase to 100 degrees. If you see a dog alone in a hot car, take down the car's information and call the authorities. You can save a life. For more ways to help animals, visit PETA.org. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Back with Michelle Megna from Forbes Advisor. She's going to continue to answer questions about dog shaming. What are some of the most common misdeeds that dogs are engaged in? Uh, we found eating things that they shouldn't was the top uh, misdeed that uh, was reported by our survey respondents, um, followed by jumping off of something high um, and escaping through a fence. Um, so that was 21% reported jumping off something high. Um, so those are the top ones. Um, and, you know, regretfully, uh, the misdeeds can often result in, you know, injury or illness. Yeah, that was my next question. The big bucks associated with being naughty that <laughs> pet owners have to have to pay for. And I mean, the eating, I can definitely see that. I mean, you know, hot dog, hamburger time, Labor Day weekend's coming up, our last big barbecue of the year. Right, Dr. Mm -hmm. Fleck? Mm -hmm. I mean, and we talked not such a long time ago, Michelle, about the craziest things that dogs have eaten. Like <laughs> Dr. Flex said, one dog ate a huge beach towel. He passed the whole towel. Mm -hmm. But I mean, corn on the cob, shoes, of course. Mm -hmm. Underwear is a big one. Mm -hmm. Socks are a big one. Mm -hmm. And that's really because people have left them out and they smell like, right? What else? Just they go out in the yard and they'll ingest anything in the yard, too because they got their nose down. So there's there's a lot of, say, dead animals. Or in your case, you've left the steak up on the counter before it's been cooked and went back to cook it, and it was gone. That happened to me, I thought it happened to you. It happened to both of us. No, what happened to me was I brought, I, I'll never forget this story. Michelle, I mean, we're not, see, we're doing the one top story. See, we're already falling <laughs> prey to that. Okay, so uh, at the time we had a bunch of dogs. And I like this rosemary olive bread and fresh market doesn't carry it anymore. So I brought all the groceries in the house and it was the last thing that was on the table because, you know, I was going to have some with some butter after my shopping trip to the local Publix. And I have to tell you, I looked and looked, I, I was positive I brought it in the house. I looked all over my car. I mean, I looked in the, you know, in the in the parking lot. I couldn't figure out what happened to this <laughs> rosemary. I mean, I went on for a week about it. That's like pretty minor, you know what I mean? Like a, I could go on for longer. But I went on a week for this thing, and I remember one day it was kind of it was a, it was starting to drizzle. And a lot of times where we live, we're in a path where a lot of birds come by. So I go out um and I shoot birds in our backyard. And I remember I had my lens up, my camera, and I was, you know, so you, you shoot, you take pictures. Pictures. Yes. Yeah. Not <laughs> and lo and behold, what did I see in the lens? 
there was a shredded piece of the bread paper. <laughs> and I realized then that our, well, your dog, BJ, took the rosemary <laughs> olive bread off the table. And what she'd normally, she ran to the backyard and she ate it. Yeah. And that was the last loaf of rosemary olive bread because the store doesn't carry it and i didn't think i was being careless but i don't i stopped leaving things on the table because i was you know i probably went to the bathroom or went to go get more groceries i should have shamed her i should have shamed her for that rosemary olive bread but hannah took your steak Mm -hmm. off your plate Mm -mm. off the counter when you were cooking it off the counter before it was cooked. Really? The barbecue was being prepared. I was a West. I must have been away for that. The barbecue was being prepared. The preparer, me, left the room and came back to take the steak outside to put on the barbecue. And Hannah actually had the steak? Oh, it's gone. Are you sure it wasn't BJ? I don't know. I think it was BJ. Because Hannah never Hannah never took anything off the counter. She got in the garbage can. That's why we got locked garbage cans. Yeah, but I wouldn't put that on the on the videos or anything. I don't for know shame. which is worse. I was mad. The, Michelle, <laughs> which is worse, the rosemary bread or the steak? I'd have to go with the steak. See, <laughs> see. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the steak. Well, maybe she wouldn't have gotten sick, but with the yeast and the bread, the whole loaf. I don't know. I so okay. So I didn't steak, miss the rosemary bread, but I certainly missed the steak. I don't know. I mean, how would we? How would we put that in a dog? Show? I mean, what would we? We would dress Hannah up, and then put like put a steak on a plate. Like, how would we do the? I'm just thinking, how would we do that shot? What do you think? If we're gonna shame Hannah. I mean, Hannah's no longer with us, but how would we do that shot? We put her in the kitchen, right? We'd have the sign. I when my dad had his back turned when my dad was out lighting up the barbecue, I stole a steak off the counter. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, do we does she have the sign? We have to put her in the kitchen, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think that's funny. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Hannah's gone now, but you know. Thank goodness the market isn't that far away. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, as a joke, you can dog shame your dead dog. I mean, that sounds horrible, but I'm just thinking the overall concept of it, you know. What are people paying for some of these naughty, these misdeeds? Pet shenanigans. We found that the the average cost of veterinary care for an injury or illness resulting from uh, the the bad dog behavior, as you said, eating toys, medication, um, and so on. Um, the average cost of the vet bill was around $1,000. Um, but 10% of the dog owners said they spent at least $3,000. Wow. So it could be very pricey. Well, I guess I'm going to ask this last question. So what could pet owners take away from this survey? You know, all of the funny posts aside and how entertaining that could be. The the takeaway really is that um, for pet owners that want to lower their out-of-pocket costs, you know, for accidental illness and injuries that can result from this kind of behavior, um, you know, it may be worth considering buying uh, pet insurance um, because it's a way to uh, pay those, you know, big vet bills that uh, you're not expecting. you know, without having to take it out of your pocket. 
uh, Forbes advisor found that the average uh, cost for pet insurance uh, for a dog a month is $35. So it could make financial sense. So I would say, you know, considering pet insurance, it may be an affordable way to really protect you from those big vet bills um, down the road. That's a good point. Great point. I mean, imagine the trouble Hannah could have gotten into if you weren't a vet. We had to pay for vet care. Michelle, thank you for joining us today. Can uh, you share where we can find the survey results? Absolutely. So you can find the full survey at Forbes.com slash advisor slash pet insurance dog shaming. And we're going to make sure we put that link up. So if you want to check out that survey with those interesting details and also think of some of your own dog shaming <laughs> possibilities in the future, we'll make sure that's up on our social media channels. See, the funny thing is, I wish that the dogs could shame the owners, don't you? Like I left my medication out by the side of my bed and, you know, it cost me 3000 <laughs> They're like... <laughs> They're like sitting there with the sign. You know, I wonder how that would work. Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I just think it could be funny if you got some millennials to do It's like, I, would that be pet owner shaming? I mean, you'd have to do it yourself. No, the shaming is the $3,000 vet bill. <laughs> no, no, of course. But that's, yeah, it would be pet owner shaming. Or how much did you spend for your, your um, negligence? That is so funny you bring that up because I was, I was at at a gate at the airport one time and I didn't say that I was a veterinarian. Uh huh. And I was listening. There were a couple of pets that were traveling at that time, and I was listening to some of the conversations because once somebody mentioned about their pet having to go to the vet for sure, it was who could top who. My pet did this. This cost me this. My pet did this. This cost me this. But was it because of pet owner negligence? In almost every case, it was. <laughs> yeah. No, that's kind of funny. I mean, not that, you know, I mean, we think it's funny and the pictures are cute. And, you know, you dress up your pet and the, thank goodness the pet doesn't can't read the sign. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's like. I mean, and it is kind of cute seeing the dogs and they all look so pathetic, you know, they look like, honestly, they really have those beggars eyes when they're standing in front of that camera for some reason. But I mean, in a lot of these cases, it's like the dog owner. It's dog owner just being negligent, mm -hmm. you know, so we can talk naughtiness all we want. But then again, you take it a step further and you think to yourself, well, I mean, if the treat of the box was there. And he smells the treats, mm -hmm. you know. Some of it's intrinsic to the pet, though. Okay, not I'm not talking. Okay, so owner. the typical Thanksgiving story that we've seen on TV a million times, the dog climbs up on the table because oh, yeah. you left the turkey out. Oh, yeah. Well, everyone, just to remind you, that was Michelle Megna, lead insurance editor at Forbes Advisor, discussing dog shaming and how much doggy misdeeds really cost. Now it's time for the mailbag. You've got mail. Joanna from Washington State writes, is there a way that I can stop my dog from digging holes in the yard? Well, Joanna, this is a great question. Hole digging can pose a huge problem for, for pet lovers, for dog owners, not only because they can 
ruined flower beds. They can make yards look unsightly, but many pets dig holes near the fences and then escape and go under the fences and can get lost or go missing. So our furball friends often love to dig up yards at times. And you know what? Digging really is not only for fun, but a lot of times it's because they're not getting exercise. They want to do something. Dogs who stay in their yards all the time get bored. So what is the solution? First, I always ask, I want you to ask yourself, are you providing your dog with enough mental and physical stimulation? Okay. Does he just spend time out in the yard? Well, if he does, you need to get him out of your yard, off your property for a short walk, gradually increasing the distance. I know a lot of times we just say we're so busy, but you really need to think of your dog's mental and physical stimulation. So walking your dog is a great way to know your neighbors and your neighborhood. Moreover, he will really enjoy the sights, the sounds, and the smells. That's the three S's, as I like to say. And beyond your house, it'll just be exciting for him to get out. Okay, so now let's get back to the yard. You can always go with a tried and true method of monitoring your dog when he's outside. It's always a good idea to have a camera out there because you want to make sure, depending on the size of the dog, that he can't get carried away. I have small dogs, so you don't want him to get carried away by hawks or other raptors that are coming to visit. Um, and sometimes maybe the phone will ring, but you got to make sure those fences are locked and no one can get into your yard. I have high fences around my property. I don't want anyone looking through. I don't want anyone to know what kind of dogs I have, just in case someone wants to steal the dogs uh, from the backyard. With the yard, you want to prevent the hole digging uh, by simply telling him, dig or no, I'm just using that name, dig or no, you need to train him to stop digging. However, some experts suggest, like myself, to find a place or create a place for your dog to dig. I always say, make your pet a pirate searching for buried treasure by filling a baby pool with sand. Okay, you can buy one at your local Walmart or your local tractor supply store. You get the pool, you stick it in the backyard in a corner, and you fill it with sand. Here's the key. You got to add toys and some good treats. Okay, it's a great way to keep him digging for that buried treasure. And don't leave the treats out there. Just put two or three in there every day. Put a few little toys out there, but make them net fresh and new. And the other thing I like to do is store them in your dirty clothes for a few days and let them smell like you. So when he finds this buried treasure, you know, definitely make sure you praise him so that you let him know he's doing a good job by digging in a specific place. But here's the key. At night, you have to cover up that digging pit to avoid animals from using it as a litter box. And they will if you leave it open. Think about the local, you know, playground. There's a sand pit. The kids used to play in it. Now they can't play in it because it's not covered and animals will poop in it. So you don't want any wild animals pooping in it. So you need to make sure it's covered. You know, by giving your dog a specific place to dig with rewards will encourage him to enjoy this activity within your guidelines. And that's key.
This, I think, would make a great solution for both of you. Now, if you get your dog a pirate costume and dress him up for his digging expedition, you know, Halloween is coming, make sure you send me a picture as well as posting it on your social media channels because you will inspire other people to create digging pits for their dog. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. You know, there's so much news about Harry and Meghan, but I actually have some good news about the couple to report. The royal couple recently adopted a mother beagle who was rescued from the Invigo breeding facility in Virginia. According to the LA Times, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex recently adopted Mia, a seven-year-old mother dog who was rescued from the Invigo breeding facility last month. She was one of roughly 4,000 beagles who had been freed from the mass breeding facility and sent to dozens of shelters around the country, including the Beagle Freedom Project in California. The couple's spokesperson told the newspaper, Megan owned a rescue beagle for years, and she wanted to help when she heard about the beagles rescued from the Invigo facility, where the dogs were kept in really deplorable conditions that were dirty and, and really deadly confined. Rather than one of the puppies, the couple picked Mia. Megan didn't want a Christmas puppy. She wanted to help an older dog, one that's harder to adopt out. You can be like Harry and Megan and bring a new dog home today. You can inquire about one of the Invigo Beagles. Sure, of course, but there are plenty of other dogs in America's overcrowded shelters who can use a home. I want you to remember this. Adopting a dog can potentially save two lives, the dog you're adopting and the one who takes your pup's place at the shelter. And if you can adopt a dog, and not everyone can, you can still help by temporarily fostering a pup. That's still a commitment, so volunteering at your local shelter by donating food, toys, or even funds can help too. Now that's something good. You know, it's always too soon to wrap the show, but before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. So next week, we're talking about active dogs and active owners, as well as monkeypox. Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Kimberly Dodd and Michelle Magna. And of course, we always want to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And of course, Hunter's Healthy Treats, making all natural, yummy, soft-baked dog treats with no fillers, additives, or preservatives. Your pet will love them just like mine do. And if you have a question, write to us at teamatthepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.